There truly is not a better time of year than NBA playoff time, high stakes games every day, iconic moments, and signature performances. What better way to get into the playoff action than with DraftKings Sportsbook? This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. Up the stakes on DraftKings Sportsbook by creating your own same-game parlay. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, each day of the first round, you can get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same-game parlay does not hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code FORGOTTENSEASONS. Bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code FORGOTTENSEASONS at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Only thing I'm plugging is Forgotten Seasons. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Forgotten Seasons. This is your host, Dylan Dreyfus. Today, we got a former number three overall pick, a guy that averaged 30 points per game one season, Jerry Stackhouse, chopping it up on the 50-win number two seed 2002 Pistons. Stack was coming off back-to-back All-Star game appearances and was surrounded by a solid squad including a young defensive player of the year in Ben Wallace, who was just putting up ludicrous stats. He had a sixth man of the year winner in Corliss Williamson and the late great Cliff Robinson. This was also Rick Carlisle's first ever season as an NBA head coach. He helped fuel the Pistons to a dramatic turnaround. They won 32 games in 2001 and they won 50 this season in 0102. This, however, was Stack's final year. In Detroit, after the season, he was traded to Washington for Rip Hamilton. Rip, of course, played a giant role on Detroit's 2004 championship team and their six straight conference finals throughout the 2000s. A reminder to drop a rating and a review. And when you're done with this, go check out the rest of the Showtime Basketball catalog. All the smoke, what's burning, KG certified. Go tap in now. Let's get into this. Forgotten Seasons with Jerry Stackhouse on the 2002 Pistons begins right now how's it going today man doing great man thanks for having me on hey i appreciate you being a supporter of the page and i appreciate your time talking to to some of the guys that that i work with and i told them that i was interviewing you they they just first thing that that came to their mouths was just man you know stack was so nice so cold he was before his time so really really happy to be doing this and going back to 2002 for the detroit Pistons season before we get into the Pistons season, I want to start sort of just quickly go through the beginning of your career because I think it's very interesting. Like I said, number three overall pick in the 95 draft, you go to Philly, uh, and then you're joined by Allen Iverson a year later. Man, just just to start out, you know, do you ever wonder what it could have been if you had more time with Allen? I mean, he was the number one pick, you were the number three pick, but you only got one full season together. Some people say that Maybe it couldn't work because you're both shooting guards. Obviously, you're both scorers. But do you ever think about just what it could have been if you had more time in Philly? Yeah, I mean, you think about it a little bit. But I think for for both of us at at that point of our career, um, you know, we were both, you know, scorers. I mean, we needed a a point guard. He needed a point guard, more of a true point guard. And he got that in Eric Snow. And, you know, when I went on to, to Detroit, um, I was able to play alongside Grant Hill, was, who was like a point forward. Mm-hmm. So I think it, we were both able to, 
to flourish from that. But I think, you know, maybe later on in our career, I mean, we were both kind of trying to establish ourselves as, you know, as players in this league, right? So I think it's at that point in time, it was probably the right decision. Um, but, uh, you know, you definitely, you know, look back when you get in those, you know, deeper in the playoffs and things like that, and you're, you know, a little bit later on in your career, like, man, we had had a chance to, um, you know, maybe maybe have, when you're looking for some help, like, man, we, we had some help and we didn't take advantage of it, but it's just where, you know, where our mentalities were at that time. Um, and, but, but I think it worked out, worked out well both ways. So you, like I said, you get traded 1997 to the Pistons. Detroit was coming off a 54 win season. Grant Hill was healthy. He was at the peak of his powers. If you can just, just speak a little bit to maybe the people who weren't around then and describe what a healthy young prime Grant Hill was like as a player. Man, Grant Hill was, you know, kind of a LeBron James type before his, you know, before LeBron James, really. I think he was a six, eight, uh, you know, forward that could handle like a point guard. Um, he could post, he could play in the post, you know, could score from all three levels. Uh, really, you know, deadly mid-range game, you know, pull-up game. He didn't, you know, didn't shoot the three a lot, but, you know, but he, he got pretty efficient at the three-pointer as well. You know, he continued to, to improve that as his career went on, but just off the bounce and being able to make plays uh, with, with his passing, with his ability to finish, you know, uh, at the rim, above the rim, uh, he was he was definitely ahead of his time. He was, you know, when you when you talk about how the game is being played now, with you know everybody handling, especially bigger guys, you know, guys six eight or better. Grant was one of those first guys that was doing so. Yeah, you go back and you you watch him play against some of the premier perimeter defenders of the '90s, like Scottie Pippen, and they sort of had no chance. Like uh, Grant, like what, what do you have to say about that? No, I mean, I think, you know, that was a, a great comparison. I mean, uh, at the time, Chicago still was the team to beat. I mean, we, you know, we beat them a couple of times, um, but they were still the, the the cream of the crop, you know, with, with Michael and Scotty. That's who everybody was chasing. And I think uh, just from a defensive prowess, you know, Scotty probably was a little ahead of Grant from a defensive standpoint, but just uh, and could do, you know, a lot of the same things that that, that Grant did, but he just, you know, kind of, took the back seat to, to, to Michael some, but, you know, Scotty had all of that in this game as well. We're able to, able to post, able to make plays, um, you know, one of the, one of the assist leaders for that Chicago Bulls team. But, um, but no, there was a lot of, a lot of similarities there, but, you know, man, again, um, you know, they, they cut a lot of people in dreams of winning the championship during that era because they were so dominant. No doubt. So, 99 to 2001, you guys go through a, a few different head coaches. This is when Grant's injuries, unfortunately, start to pile up. Uh, you seem to not be really wavered by the uncertainty. From 99 to 2001, only Shaq scored more points than you. Scoring 25, 30 points a game back in 99, 2000, 2001 is a lot different than that today. Do you think scoring in general back in those days, late 90s, early 2000s, was more difficult than it is today and, and why would that be if so no I just think it was a different game you know the game kind of changed a little bit I mean it were you know you, you used to have more isolation basketball you throw it out there on the block you have a couple guys lifted on the weak side who really wasn't you know weren't into play um, a few teams ran some continuity but it was really a lot of isolation you know you took you took advantage of your one-on-one your -on -one players um, 
feeling like they were would be tough to stop. And then now whenever double teams come, then you would have to make plays. The ball pretty much, you know, swung around the horn in, in, in exact places. And, and the good teams are the ones that had shooters that can make make teams pay when you double teamed your your primary, you know, scores. And, and I think, you know, I was one of those primary guys, guys that got double teamed um, and, and had to make plays sometimes when, you know, you, you have to take and make tough shots anyway. So I think that's the, you know, just from a percentage standpoint, you know, just, you know, for, you know, being around 42, 43% was, was, was kind of a, a norm, you know, for, you know, at that time, you know, guys that was, you know, 46 was probably like, man, that, you know, that's a really good, efficient shooter. And that's really, you, you making one, one more shot a game, <laughs> you know, that's that. So, so I think that's the, um, just kind of the, the, the game now, obviously it's a lot, the, the, the three pointers, you know, way more, a uh, part of the game than it was then. I mean, I, I couldn't fathom taking eight threes in the game right now. And then it's like commonplace for guys now to average five or six threes a game. And, you know, in some games take, you know, eight or 10 or more, and, but it just shows just how the, the spacing and, and pace has, has taken, taken over. I mean, like, especially in the Eastern conference, you know, it used to be like, you know, games were in the eighties, sixties, you know, some of them, right. I, I was looking back at a, playoff game that we we lost in boston i think um, 66 64 yeah man it's crazy right like your your uh, your vanderbilt team's probably blowing that number out of the water in college man college is really that's you know in a 40 minute game uh you know it's pretty much like the first to 70 right the first yeah. to 70 is the ones that normally win the game i mean i think in in the NBA, it may be, you know, uh, uh, first to 100 now, you know, and it used to be, I, I think, probably in the 90s, it was, you know, legitimately probably first to 80. So 2001-02 season that I want to sort of dive deep into. Before we get into it, man, why'd they get rid of the, the teal jerseys? Why'd they change the <laughs> logo? You, you, have, you have any say in that? No, I think it was just a movement to get back to the traditional, you know, you know red, boys. white, and blue. Yeah, it's just kind of the... It was more of a, I, I don't know. When I got there, it was, you know, just part of the trend. When I got, got traded to Detroit, I mean, I liked the burgundy uniforms, the, the teal. You know, it was cool. Had the, you know, the big horse on the, you know, on the front of the jersey and all that, all that stuff. But, but I think it was, uh, it was cool when we, when we went back to the red, white, and blue. I was one of the, uh, I, I remember me and Ben did a photo shoot, um, you know, when they decided to, to bring those back and, uh, but, but no, it was, it was a fun time, man. It was that, that year was kind of thrust on us a little bit. We didn't know, you know, that Grant was leaving, you know, when he wound up, you know, going to um, signing to go to, to Orlando. Uh, unfortunately, we were able to, you know, do a, do a sign and trade and then get, you know, get Ben and Chucky and, and get some mm -hmm. pieces back. But, you know, it, was, it just kind of, you know, broke up our continuity from what we had start, started to build um, together. You know what I'm saying? We were one of the highest scoring, you know, tandems in, you know, those couple of years prior to that. But, uh, you know, so it put a, put a lot of onus on me to, to assume the role of scoring and um, uh, more so than, than, than probably I wanted to. I mean, I mean, I'm not that I turned down an opportunity to, to take 20-some shots a night, but at the same time, I knew that ultimately for us to to be good, uh, that, that we needed a more of a balanced attack. And I think the next season when uh, when Rick Carlisle, you know, came in and like I said, I had a, you know, 
I had a number of coaches. I had a number of coaches in, in, in Philadelphia, even before I got to Detroit. So the change didn't really affect me. I had been used to seeing that. I mean, I started out with John Lucas. The next season was Johnny Davis. Uh, next season, you know, it was Larry Brown. I come to um, uh, Detroit and it was uh, Detroit. I mean, it was uh, Doug Collins. Uh, Doug gets uh, let go and then it's Alvin Gentry. Alvin Gentry gets let go and then it's George Irvin. Yeah, George Irvin and then Rick. So so Rick Rick comes in in, in 0102. This is his first ever season as an NBA head coach. What changes, if you remember, from 2001 to 0102? Because you win 32 in 2001 and then it goes all the way up to 50 in 02. You guys get Cliff Robinson and, and Rick comes in. But what do you sort of remember for you know, 18 games is a huge improvement and there's some roster changes, but you're still there as the center point. Ben's still there. What, what sort of leads to that drastic improvement? I think defensively, I think we took a real uh, a step on the, on the defensive end, especially with Ben and, uh, mm -hmm. and Cliff. I mean, those two guys were, they, they control games themselves, you know, just with their ability to play, you know, pick and roll coverage and, and guard their own man on, on the post where we're able to stay home with shooters. Not a lot of guys that we had to double because Ben could guard his matchup one-on-one. -on -one. Um, Cliff could guard his guy. And those guys were like, you know, hedging was, a, 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 you know, really getting out and hedging on pick and rolls, getting out and showing big. And those guys had unbelievable hands. Not only could they get out, but they had really quick hands of being able to pluck the ball away from ball handlers. And so I think from a defensive standpoint, it, it was good. And I just think the, the message for Rick for, uh, for me was to be more of a decoy. Again, everybody know that I could, you know, I could score 30 points, you know, so now be a decoy, make your teammates better. Um, again, we want to put you in pick and rolls, allow teams to trap you away from the basket. Now that's going to give us a, a, an advantage to play four on three and three on two on, on the weak side. So it was just about me uh, ultimately wanting to win and, 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 you know, and sacrifice maybe at from averaging 30 to coming down to, I think probably 23 or something that yeah. I, I averaged that next year. Um, um, assist number still stayed around, around the same. I averaged about, you know, five assists that, you know, the previous year, you know, when we won 32 games and then, you know, still getting my assist numbers. But I think it was, just just making that conscious effort to say, I don't necessarily have to make the pass. It's almost like I got the hockey assist, but the attention that I was, Counts. you know, that I was, you know, that I was receiving, you know, in those pick and rolls, drawing it out, really stretching out pick and rolls, you know, playing in the pocket, you know, making passes across court for other guys to make plays and get, get assists. Um, and it, it turned around for us. We ran a lot of games, man. Um, you know, in that 32 win season as well, you know, we lost a, a ton of close games. So I just think it's kind of learning, learning how to win um, was, was, was part of that too. And I think um, uh, Rick, Rick, Rick had a lot to do with that. Just his, his approach, his mindset, you know, as a coach coming in and, you know, we, we had tape shoot arounds, um, just, just stuff like that. Just building that mentality of us, you know, outworking teams that, that nobody was going to outwork us. I mean, we, we, we came into the game, you know, at night, knowing that we were going to be the tougher team, and we we're going to outlast teams because we came to shoot around and we were strapped up. They probably came to shoot around and was walking, walking around in you know the the, the slides or something like that, which was which was customary back then. Guys would just come in and walk through the other teams' plays, you know, especially the veteran veteran teams. But we didn't have that approach. We we came in as a 
uh, as a work team. And, and, and that was our approach even during the game, that we were going to work the game uh, no matter what was going on. Um, you know, we, we get up big or we get down big, just continue to work the game. And, that's, and, and, and that was something that resonated with me back then and still resonate with me right now, even when I'm coaching my guys. Just know that there's a lot of ebbs and flows in, during the course of a game, and, and we just got to try to weather those. And if we do that, then we'll, we'll have a chance when the game is in the balance at the end. Yeah, I've, I've talked to quite a few guys from the air and I hear, you know, fables and stories about those coaches who did have the tape shoot arounds like the Van Gundys, the Rileys, and those teams typically are the ones that won more games and made deep runs in playoffs. I want to kind of hit on Ben Wallace a little bit more. You mentioned just his his greatness. This is his first defensive player of the year season. He wins four over the course of the next five years. Man, is that the best defender you've ever played with? And 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 then just what was it like having that as your back line, sort of a versatile monster who's able to to snatch every rebound, block every shot, and and make that big of a difference on the defensive end? Yeah, I mean, I think, it, you know, just for um... – he probably is. I mean, when I think about it, yeah, there's probably nobody that I played with that was a better defender. I mean, it was that, that second line of defense. So we're, we could really be aggressive on the perimeter because, you know, Ben was coming to, you know, to, to clean it up. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, he was had unbelievable timing, you know, probably six, seven, six, eight at best, you know, but had, you know, unbelievable um, strength, you know, as far as guarding guys on the block. I mean, guard Shaq on the block, you know, one on one. That was um, you know, that, that, that was a big advantage when you don't have to double team Shaq and allow, uh, you know, guys on the perimeter to, to, to take just those, those pop shots. And so I think that was, um, big again, like I said, his pick and roll coverages were, you know, was off the charts and, and just his ability to sit down and guard smaller players because he was, again, like I said, six, seven, six, eight, uh, he wasn't. Um, you know, he, he, he continued to get better from an offensive standpoint. I mean, teams took advantage of us a little bit because of um, his lack of offensive prowess, you know, in, in some of those early seasons. But he, he learned how to, to make them pay, you know. I think whether that's what was crashing the offensive boards or, you know, still, you know, working on this game to become a little more, more effective on the offensive end. But definitely from a defensive standpoint. Um, he, you know, he, he controlled, controlled the pain and, and in essence con controlled a lot of the game because of what, what he was able to do on the defensive end. Big Ben's a beast. One of my favorite players. Glad he's in the hall now. Um, continuing quickly, just with the, the rest of the roster, you mentioned Cliff Robinson a little bit. Corliss Williamson, too. He wins sixth man of the year. Uh, both of those guys, you have two big forwards that are incredibly skilled. What's that? like playing with just both of those guys and, and can you speak a little bit on both of their games uh yeah I mean I think it was uh again like that that season you know Corliss was a was six man of the year um you know I was I was still it, it was crazy like yeah I think he won six man of the year being one defensive player of the year Rick uh made that coach of the year and um you know, I leading scorer and the leading assist player, and I don't even make the All Star team. So I was, I was <laughs> so gonna, like, I, I was gonna ask, like, you made the, you're obviously coming off back to back All Star appearances in 2000 and 2001, um, and then you're winning and and you don't get rewarded. Is that, I mean, obviously, yeah, no, it was a little bit of a slap in the face because I felt like I made the sacrifices. You know, what I'm saying mm -hmm. to come in and uh, you know maybe take a little bit less score. I mean, it was just if I was still averaging 28, would I? 
have made the, and I felt like I could have done that. I mean, that was two more baskets a game for me. But again, take, making that sacrifice and, and winning more, um, you know, it, it was a little bit of a, a downer to see everybody around and kind of, you know, get to, you know, receive rewards for, for what we were able to accomplish and um, kind of get left out of it all, all the way around. But, you know, it's, it's part of it. I still take the fact that we were able to, to win and, um, you know, and, and, have, and win 50 games and win a Central Division championship, um, you know, but it was just kind of, you know, kind of unwritten rule. A lot of coaches, you know, they talk, uh, you know, about who they're going to vote for and, and, and whatnot. And I think, you know, Rick uh, had had some conversations with the coach. I think it was Lon Kruger and, you know, and it's just crazy. I think he voted for Sharif and uh, Kruger was supposed to vote for me. And then evidently I didn't, Something that got lost in translation during that, so I was I was ready to I was ready to choke somebody that night <laughs> when we played Atlanta, you know. What I'm saying? But it's just you know those are the things that come with it. But no, it was definitely disappointing because I knew you know still big part averaging over twenty points a game, uh, again leading our team in assists. You know, not too many guys lead. Uh, lead a team in scoring and assists on the on the central you know on a division team and and don't make the all-star team. So it was it was it was definitely a little bit of a a disappointment from 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 that standpoint. It was also a, a pretty loaded time for just two guards in general and guards. I mean, you got yourself, you got Vince, you got Kobe, T Mac, Ray Allen, uh the the list can go on, Allen Houston. Uh, so again, a, a loaded air for the two guards. Who were the guys that you looked forward to matching up against? Uh, the most. Well, I mean, all of them. I think every every night, you know, at that spot, like you I mean, you mentioned it. There was, you know, you know, whether it was a Trails Freewell or Mitch Richmond, you know, Michael Jordan, uh, Michael uh, Jordan. Ray Allen, and, you know, again, all these guys, these guys that, and, they, and again, these guys make the All Star team, right? So I mean, I, so I'm pissed off from that too, you know, like, but but I, I got I got some revenge from that. I think it was the last game of the season, Milwaukee had a chance to uh, make the playoffs if they beat us. And um, safe to say, let's send their ass home. Them and all the All-Stars, him and Glenn Robinson, Ray Allen, the guys that I think made the All-Star that team this year, they got to watch the playoffs from home. I made sure of that. So, you know, it, it's funny how, how things work out in the end. It's the little victories that count, right? No doubt, no doubt. The NBA playoffs means next level basketball. Get into the playoff action now with DraftKings Sportsbook. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the first round with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. Can take player combos, player props, points, you name it, they've got it. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, each day of the first round, you can get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same-game parlay does not hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code FORGOTTENSEASONS. Bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code FORGOTTENSEASONS at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So really wrapping up the, the regular season, 50 wins, number two seed in the East. You guys got the Raptors in round one. No Vince Carter. Any part of you 
like from a competitive standpoint, wish he played or, or is it more so, you know, we, we, we dodged the bullet. We got an easy one. No, I mean, I know injuries are part of the game. I mean, again, it's probably some point in the season there where we, you know, we were all banged up. We're all, you know, missing somebody. Definitely, um, you know, uh, North Carolina alum, you know, one of the best players in the league. And we've all, he, he brought out the best of me every time I was able to compete against him. So, you know, you, you know definitely you would love for, for them to, you know, have been at the you know, full strength. But, Again, it's the playoffs. We had to take it as as it came. Um, but you know, that was that was a, a tough series. I think at that time it was just a five game series in in the first round. Uh, we got off kind of early and then it was a struggle. I mean, they really locked into us defensively. They had a big, they, they had like Oakley, they had, they had Davis, they, they had a big, yeah. big and strong team, defensive team. Yeah, I think the you know, Mo Peterson was was on that team, was a good matchup for us, Chris Childs, I and mean, a really good team. Um and we're able to get through them. And then uh, I think then we got Boston. Okay. Boston wasn't the best matchup for us. Why? Uh, I, I, I don't know. We just didn't play them as well as we did the eventual, you know, team that came out the East. I mean, we smacked um, the Nets every time we played them, you know, and it was just like, and we, you know, we, we had just uh, maybe had that matchup against the Nets as opposed to, to Boston. Uh, you know, that maybe we, you know, we felt like we probably would, would have been in, in the finals that year. We had that that type of confidence in, in that team. It just was a, a matchup for us. I mean, I think Kenny Anderson was a tough matchup for us. I mean, uh, obviously Paul Pierce and, and what he brought you know, to the table. Uh, just again, that, that was where they, you know, pretty much it, it hurt us, you know, the lack of offensive power that we got from from our five spot because we, we, we couldn't throw it in the post. Um, you know, you know, as good as Ben was on the on the defensive end, he didn't he didn't bring the, he didn't have that type of present force on the offensive end, and they were able to come over and spot with pretty much his guy. You know, when I was talking about playing in the isolation game, then bringing somebody, they're bringing that big over there, and and then the only thing you really got is skips over the top because they're dropping down on him, and um, so it was it was a tough matchup. We, it was the first time that we had really seen that and. and and never really kind of figured that out after, you know, the first, you know, first couple of games. Um, yeah, but again, like I said, I, I don't think uh, that New Jersey would have played us that way. It would have been more of a traditional, you know, kind of you match up man on man and, and see what happens. So we uh, just, a, just a tough matchup for us there, but we definitely, it was disappointing because we definitely felt that we were, you know, the best team in the East. I mean, especially when we see, um, Jersey go in and play, you know, San Antonio, obviously they, you know, got, I think they got swept in that series in, in, in the finals, but yeah, this nah, was we, the Lakers. This was the Lakers. They got, but that was the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. They were, you know, we gave them, we gave them the business, you know what I'm saying? So it was you know, like, you know, Kerry Kittles and whoever they had and Richard Jefferson, all of them, every time I saw them, I was trying to kill them. The sorry ass nuts. <laughs> Then just just heading out of the season, I mean, you don't get really a, uh, you don't get another chance to to go with that squad in Detroit. You get traded to Washington. Initial reactions, feelings when you got that call. Did you see it coming? Oh uh, no, I was uh, no, I was I didn't really see it coming. Again, I just thought that we had really built and uh, worked and worked our way up to you know becoming a team that was um, you know you know lost in the second round. Our next step was 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 taking another step. And, uh, and then I just, I was random. I think I was in the, 
uh, in a gun shop or something. I was, you know, when I got a call that from actually from the wizard side, I mean, I think, you know, they were, again, I gave the business to the wizards that year too, you know, so it was like, I wasn't surprised that they were trying to, you know, it was Michael's last year. They was trying to, you know, probably felt their rip was a little too young for them to take that next step. And so that's so they made the call and, um, you know, Detroit decided to pull the trigger, got a little bit younger, uh, I guess with, you know, with rip, um, you know, Chauncey coming into play. I mean, and then, you know, Rashid falls in their lap again. I mean, it would have been an ideal situation to add, you know, Chauncey Billups to, to, to a lineup. I haven't really played with a, you know, more of a traditional point guard that, that can make plays and make shots at, at that level, you know, you know, take nothing away from, from Chucky Atkins, but it's a, you know, somewhat of a difference between, you know, Chauncey Billups and, and Chucky Atkins. Um, but it, it was what it was, man. You know what I'm saying? I think they pulled the trigger on. I think I had been the face of that franchise, had done everything, really grabbed the mantle after, uh, after Grant Hill left. So I did felt a little slighted. You know, I felt like, you know, Joe Dumars, I mean, I sat there and played hurt for him. Um, I, you know, tore my groin and, you know, still came back early to try to, you know, try to do everything I can for us to get the higher seeding in the, you know, in the regular season to put ourselves in a position to, you know, have a, you know, be a higher seed in the playoffs and you do all those things. And then, it, so it was kind of a slap in the face, you know what I'm saying? Looking back on it, you know, I thought it was, you know, Joe Dumas just kind of did a sucker move with me there. You know what I'm saying? But it, it is what it is, man. You know, things, things always come back around, you know, karma, karma gets you in the end, you know, but so, but, you know, yeah, but I, I definitely uh, felt, felt slighted in that situation. Obviously seeing, a team that you know you feel like you had started started the building process on, go on and win a championship. All of that was a little bit tough to swallow, but at the same time, my mom always had the best saying, "What's for you is for you." And obviously, that you know me, um, you know, winning that championship and being a part of that team wasn't for me. And obviously, I had had an opportunity a little bit later on with Dallas. Um, you know, we went to the finals in '06, came up a little bit short. Um, but still it was a unbelievable experience and probably one of my you know best experiences as a as a professional is is that that journey of building that team to to get to the get to the finals. I wouldn't want the player that I just traded to be in a gun shop when he gets the call. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I almost bought a 40 cal. I got a little bit of a you know what I'm saying? I, I walked out the store, wind up not getting it. Probably, probably, probably the best thing. But no, nah, because I didn't even hear it from him. Like I said, for you know, guy sitting beside me, telling me, "All right, stack, well, you know, you know, you you play if you can find a way to, to muster up, man. I'm gonna take care of you. You, I mean, you, you're the only franchise player on on our roster. So I mean, it was I was thinking more that I'm getting a call about an extension more so than you know, call to get traded. But but again, I, I think it was always a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, just a little bit right, you know, rivalry there. I mean, Joe Dumars, I mean, he, you know, he, he snaked a lot of people, you know what I'm saying? From, and then when I think, you know, a lot of the players that played for him felt, uh, don't have the same view of him, you know, after, uh, they left Detroit as they did when they were there. So, and I mean, that's even, you know, players from, from the championship team as well. So, I'm not, I'm not alone in, in in my feelings toward toward him and how he he does business. You got to remember, yeah, it's a business and and not always the the best business. Um, 
real quick, just that Washington season, MJ's farewell tour. I understand that's not always the easiest, you know, playing for one of the playing with one of the best players of all time, sort of in their farewell send off, probably a lot of media attention. A lot of things are being said that are, are just being said to generate clicks. Just what was that one season like for you just coming off, you know, this, this great season in Detroit and then kind of just go into to that whole situation. Well, no, I mean, I, obviously I didn't really want to be there. You know, I think, I mean, I was going from a team that, you know, we were just a couple games from going to the Eastern Conference Finals, you know, and again, or, or being in the playoffs for the last couple of years, kind of working our way up to that, to now I'm going to trade it to a team that we're, you know, they're talking about making the playoffs for the first time in the last nine years, right? So it's like, you know, it's the, what, what my ideal trade. I mean, yeah, you know, sound good in theory, you know, again, playing, you know, playing alongside Michael Jordan, but this wasn't the Michael Jordan that, you know, we knew from the Chicago Bulls. This was Michael Jordan that was, like I said, was on kind of a farewell tour, you know, kind of playing out the strings um, in Washington. Still very, you know, a very good player, but, but it wasn't the Michael Jordan. And then just being able to, you know, it's like, I guess the old saying is never, kind of uh, meet your idols yeah you know, meet your idols and play here I mean I you know just just from the standpoint of uh who who he was to me and how I revered him you know you know as a player watched him from that from the outside and then just kind of feeling the just a just a natural just the animosity there against they're not even from us I mean we got along great but just kind of how you know the media and everybody pitted every you know anybody that was supposed to you know, maybe rival Michael Jordan on on a roster, everything. It was just kind of saw how it kind of pitted together. So I, I didn't enjoy that season at all. Uh, the owner, A. Poland, decided to move away from Michael Jordan and then they signed to me to, you know, signed me to a two year extension there in Washington. It was almost like he chose me over Michael. So, you know, so obviously that was a, a lot of the, you know, the, the, the Michael supporters, you know, just pitted me against like I made a decision like man I ain't, I ain't got nothing to do with it. I, I wish that that's way above my pay grade I wish but, I was still in Detroit you know what I'm saying wish I was yeah. anywhere so but no nah, it was it, it was good and then from from that uh again like I said I missed probably 40 some games that next year from having the you know the, the end of the season knee surgery and that's when they signed Gilbert and, mm-hmm. and again just just a whole uh, makeover of the team. And then from that, I had an opportunity to, to get to Dallas. Uh, I was traded on, I think on draft day for, with, with Devin Harris for, for Antoine, Antoine Jameson. So, and that was, that was best. I mean, I didn't even know I was going to be in Dallas that long. I thought it could just be, you know, moving through another, another deal would happen. And then when I got there, man, I wound up being there five years it was it was great being able to play alongside Dirk Jason Terry and uh, uh, Josh Howard uh, Marquise Daniels you know Adrian Griffin I mean it was it was a really fun team to be a part of we we grew into becoming a, a you know a championship caliber team and uh, probably like I said one of the the highlights highlight years of my, of my whole career was at 2006 in Dallas Man, you guys ran into quite the young star, though, in the finals. I mean, that's one of my favorite runs to look back on, just what he was doing there. But, um, yeah, getting getting calls every time he went to the basket, he got uh, touched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, that, that's part of it, too, man. Uh, nah, it's like you go back in there. It was it was some 
it was some buffoonery. I mean, you never take anything away from it because I'm not that type of guy. But, man, you look at some of the, the calls that happened in that game, you know, me getting a flagrant foul for fouling Shaq and having to miss a game, you know, after how we, you know, kind of you know took them apart in those first two games. And, and even the, the format it has changed since then. I mean, again, from the 2-3-2 two, two, to, um, you know, 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one. I mean, I just think that was a, a big game. I mean, that, that pivotal game five where we could, you know, now with possibly being back at, at our place was where, where we, you know, you spend all year waiting for, you know, earning the home court advantage and you go on the road after winning two games and have a chance to come back home down one. But I think they eventually f figured it out, but they didn't figure it out in time enough for it to, uh, to be beneficial to us. But, but now nah, it was, it was a clown show, man. You know, again, they take nothing away from, from, from Dwayne and his abilities, but you know, some of those phantom foul calls that determine, uh, determine that, you know, a couple of those games ultimately determined the, se the series in my mind. What they had, they had to get uh they had to get Shaq his fourth so then they so then they got the Shaq Kobe got to got to fuel that narrative. Oh man, that was that was a funny thing. Like we were, uh, we wanted Shaq in the game, you know, Sam, because when you know he got in early foul trouble in a couple of those games and the games changed when Alonzo came in the game. Alonzo, you know, he was, you know, he was hungry, you know, you, you know he, that for a championship, you know, trying to get a ring and man, like, you know, he protected that basket like nobody's business. Um, so it was like, man, we uh, did, didn't want to see Big Zoe coming in the game because, you know, obviously you know, Shaq was back, always was in those deep drops and, and pick and rolls and we had more opportunities to uh, take advantage of that. But he picked up a couple quick fouls and the game changed for them in their favor whenever, whenever Alonzo, I always say that he's the, he was really the the MVP of that series when you really dig deep into to what was going going on. Shaq's what pushing three seventy five at that point. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's still he's still getting up and down the court a little bit, but again, just just the, the, that personnel. Um, you know, they, I mean, they had they had some guys: Antoine Walker, I mean, Gary Payton, um, what was it, Jason Williams. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they had Haslam. some dudes, man. They had yeah. some Haslam. Haslam was, was a young Haslam. Haslam still hanging around, man. It's always fun to, to He's see. He's representing uh, the OGs. He representing the OGs to the fullest, man. Uh, it's good dude. I was able to, to spend a little time down there in Miami with those guys, man, and just kind of the, the culture. And I've always been a big Pat Riley fan. I wish I could have possibly got to him, you know, and, um, and played for him. You know, at some point early in my career, I just think the the way they they approach and the professionalism that they go about it is is top notch, and and I think you see see that benefit in, in Spo and and how he was groomed under Pat and and what he's doing now. I, I, I think he's one of the best in the business. For sure. Well, well, Stack, man, I appreciate your time. I'm really glad we got to dig deep to really like the first 10 years of your career. You're, you're building a little NBA factory down there in Nashville. Scotty Pippen just declared. Obviously, you had Darius Garland, Aaron Neesmith, uh, and I'm sure if, not sure if I'm forgetting anybody, but uh, best of luck with, with next season. What, what do we have to look out for next year with the with the Vanderbilt Commodores? No, I mean, Darius was got here right before that we got here. He was with the previous staff, okay. but he's still a big, um, big part. He's back here every summer. He's working out with, uh, you know, with the guys, working out, working on his game. I mean, it's uh, fun to watch how he approaches his summer. It was no surprise that the type of year that, that Darius had this year because of, you know, the work that he puts in in the summer. 
Um, Aaron, you know, Aaron Neesmith, you know, he's you know, part of this. Uh, obviously, he was in the rotation a little bit early in the year, not in the ro rotation as much now in the playoffs. But, you know, he has a bright future. Saban Lee was another mm -hmm. one of those players that that's with Detroit, was able to, was a second-round pick that played himself into a multi-year deal. Um, and now, you know, Scotty's kind of the next in, in line for hopefully – um, you know, get drafted this year. And I feel like he's going to have a, you know, more than a solid career. He just understands the game. Obviously comes from a great pedigree. Um, has a knack for, you know, drawing fouls and being able to use angles. So so I'm pretty sure that he's he's going to stick on the roster whenever he, um, at some point this year. And then just for us, uh, just kind of retooling. You know, we went and signed a couple guys over the, over this past weekend to replace Sky to his production, which is which is going to be tough because he was a high usage guy for us. But I feel like we have a different style that we'll play a little bit now. Um, you know, a little bit more continuity, and but but we still have a great core: um, Jordan Wright, um, Quentin Millar, Brown, Liam Robbins, um, Trey Thomas, Miles Studi. We got we got guys that. Um, that they know how to play and, and looking forward to take that next step. We had a nice little run in the NIT. We're looking mm -hmm. to be an NCAA tournament team next year. We'll be looking out for you, rooting for you. Again, man, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate your support. Uh, take care. No doubt, man. Appreciate you. Thanks. That was the show. Thank you guys for listening and tuning in. A reminder to drop a rating and a review if you liked what you just heard. We'll be back next week with more. I will tap in with you then. Peace. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com